0: Welcome to Cold Steel, the Canadian Journal of Surgery podcast, with your hosts Amir Farouk and Chad Ball. The goal of the CJS podcast is threefold. The first is to highlight the best research currently being completed by Canadian surgeons. The second is to offer educational topics for both surgeons and trainees alike. And most importantly, the third goal is to inspire discussion, thoughts, creativity, and career development in all Canadian surgeons. We hope you enjoy it. Dr. Karina Spajalo, thank you so much for joining us today on the Cold Steel Podcast CSF 2023 edition. Uh, As I think many of our listeners will now know, we're trying to highlight some of the best research and presentations and content from the recent Canadian Surgical Forum in Vancouver uh, this year in September of 2023. And Dr. Spajalo is a resident at the University of British Columbia in general surgery and uh, was one of the papers that was selected for the top paper session at CSF so thank you again Dr Spiala, for for joining us and we're really excited to hear about your work about uh, perioperative warming strategies
1: thank you so much I'm very excited to be here
0: so Dr Spiala, can you tell us a little bit about um what the impetus was for doing this research and and t- walk us through what you did
1: Absolutely. So this uh, patient warming project is at the interface of planetary healthcare research quality in- and quality improvement research, which is um, something that we're realizing aligns very well together. Uh, and so this kind of presented as a perfect opportunity to study how we can both improve the quality of patient care that we provide and do so in a very sustainable way um, that reduces the impact of the healthcare system on the environment. So, I'll walk you through um, this. And this project has uh, many collaborators um, from, from anesthesia, from environmental engineering, a lot of um, nursing involvement on this. So, um, it's, a, it's definitely a team effort. And there's no conflicts of interest. So, this all stems from uh, trying to prevent perioperative hypother- uh, hypothermia, which is what warming patients is meant to do. And the reason why we want to prevent it is because it can cause coagulopathy and surgical site infection. Uh, As well as other complications. And these come at a very high cost to the hospital, so up to around $7,000 per patient. So it's important to try to prevent these. And currently how we're doing this in the hospital is through a combination of active warming and passive warming. Uh, So that's in the form of the bear hugger, which is a forced air warming system, and the passive warmer, which is the warmed flannel blanket. And currently the way that we're warming patients is is quite variable because it's up to the individual provider. And so not only is it variable and non-advance-based at times, it's also uh, fairly wasteful. There's Uh, Additional warming devices that have been shown to be um, clinically equivalent to the forced air warmer, which is uh, the resistive blanket and the circulating water garment. The resistive blanket is a reusable blanket that goes underneath the patient and is warmed um, that way, whereas the circulating water garment is disposable, similar to the forced air warmer flux gown, and it's meant to accompany the patient throughout the entire journey just using water rather than air to warm them. So, the project objectives were first to audit the current patient warming practices to really quantify what we were doing and, and how we were doing it. And then, we um, were comparing those three different active warming devices that I showed, in addition to warm flannel blankets, using processes called life cycle assessment and life cycle costing. And these are um, strategies used to quantify the environmental and financial impacts of a process or a consumable throughout its, its entire life cycle. So, from when thingy consumables are first extracted from the ground all the way until their uh, disposal and this is done with an environmental engineering uh, lab out in uh, UBC okanagan and then using that information we then set out to uh, inform the quality improvement piece which is to uh, design and optimize patient warming strategy to try and improve how we're using those resources and maintain normothermia and reduce waste So first, we did the audit, and we looked at 51 surgical patients at VGH, uh, and we looked at the number of flannels that they were using, the adherence to the NICE perioperative guidelines, the incidence of hypothermia, and patient-reported outcomes. We found that on average, patients were using approximately six blankets, but up to maximum 11 throughout the entire perioperative journey. Uh, And in recovery, they were being warmed only with flannels, even if they were hypothermic. A quarter of the time, we were using flannels for things like positioning or for periphery warming and not actually for core warming.
0: I just love this this number 11 blankets for patient.
1: Yeah, and the you, funny can just,
0: you, you can just visualize like, like a blanket under each arm, yeah. under their head, like 55, well, five on the patient. But like you just, it kind of boggles the mind that there's 11 blankets on a patient.
1: Yeah, it's a lot and it's it's clear that it's really not providing effective warming if we need so many. So, uh, yeah, it's a great it's a great number. Uh, When we compared the uh, to the guidelines as to what we were doing, we found that about half of our patients were warmed with forced air uh, preoperatively. But uh, about a quarter of them actually did meet um, criteria for prewarming based on the risk factors, but didn't receive it intraoperatively. So we had some improvement to do um, in this in this regard. Our incidence of hypothermia was fairly good. It was 8%, which is in keeping with literature and with our previous uh, QI study in 2011. And then we also did patient reported outcomes just to show that patients were quite satisfied at baseline with their thermal comfort so that in the future when we do uh, implement any interventions, we have something to work off of. For our results, so we quantify the environmental and financial impact of the flannels uh, and 0.36 kilograms of carbon dioxide equivalents per blanket and about one and a half to two and a half dollars. We then extrapolated that to the amount of blankets that were used in the past year just in the perioperative area alone uh, and that would total about 48,000 kilograms of CO2 or about $400,000. Now in layperson's terms, uh, because I'm not quite comfortable with converting kilograms of CO2 um, either, but it's about uh, owning 10 vehicles or burning about 54,000 pounds of coal. So it's a fairly substantial environmental impact just from those flannels that aren't really providing good warming. The, we then did a comparative uh, life cycle analysis of the three warming devices. And this is over one hour operating time. And it shows that the resistive blanket really is the most preferable device from an environmental standpoint. And these results are normalized against the worst-performing devices, so it's pretty much a tie between the forced air warmer and the circulating water garment here. And this is an average across 18 different impact categories. The life cycle costing, which is the financial bit, essentially shows a similar picture. The resistive blanket really is the best performer, and the circulating water garment does the worst, and it costs around $150 a piece. Because a resistive blanket did so well, but is typically only used intraoperatively in our hospital, we then mapped out these clinical scenarios, incorporating the flannels and the resistive blanket and the forced air warmer into different settings. And it was meant to really mimic how a patient were we warmed throughout the entire perioperative journey. So the first two scenarios is how we currently warm patients using a combination of forced air and flannels. And then the last uh, scenarios are hypothetical using the resistive blanket and circulating water garment and and putting those at different settings throughout. We found that what we're currently doing is the worst, uh, both from an environmental and cost standpoint. So, you know, the positive spin is the only way to go is is up from here. So that's great. Uh, And then the most sustainable pathway was intraoperative warming with the resistive blanket and pre and post operative warming with the forced air warmer flex gown. We then set out to take these results and put them into an optimized warming pathway with two goals. The first one is to reduce the flannel use because, as mentioned, it's not evidence-based. There's a high volume of them being used and they have high financial and environmental costs. And then the second goal was to improve the sustainability of our active warming. And our optimized patient warming pathway essentially is summarized here. And it says that when patients come in to the preoperative area, they're screened based on based off of the uh, criteria from the NICE uh, guidelines. And if they meet risk factors, then they're pre-warmed for 30 minutes using a flex gown. We wanna remind healthcare providers to use the pockets in the flex gown for periphery warming rather than flannels, so we can save uh, reduce flannel blankets there. For the intraoperative piece, uh, we recommend removing and saving that flex gown, warming with a resistive blanket intraoperatively, and then reapplying the flex gown after the surgery. And if the patients are hypothermic um, in the post-operative setting to warm with the flex gown. Uh, although we have our, changed this slightly in our discussions about whether we should just warm with a flex gown regardless um, and not remove it, even if patients aren't hypothermic, just for comfort. So that's kind of a, a work in progress piece. Uh, So in conclusion, the most sustainable active warming device is by far the resistive blanket. And the most sustainable pathway is intraoperative warming with that blanket and pre and post uh, warming with the forced air warmer flex gown. Um, And really the the most exciting part of this is that it shows how you can incorporate lifecycle analysis and lifecycle costing into quality improvement research and really bring that sustainability lens forward. And next steps is that um, we're planning on implementing this patient pathway in two weeks time at our hospital. So that's currently what we're working on.
0: Congratulations again, Karina, and such awesome work. And um, for any of our listeners who haven't listened to our previous interview with Dr. McNeil, you need to go back and listen to that because, you know, once again, Dr. McNeil is the you know principal investigator on this project, and it just shows you that the work that she's doing with, you know, sustainability and planetary health is not just an abstract, you know, tree-hugging exercise, but it's really – contributing to better patient care and better overall um, cost saving for the hospital. So congratulations again for some really neat work. Can you just go back to your first slide talking? Can you just talk about what this resistant blanket thing is? Cause I've never actually, I don't think I've ever seen that in the hospital myself.
1: Absolutely. Um, so it is this bright orange blanket, uh, so to speak. And it uses electricity uh, to conduct heat and to warm the patient. It goes underneath the patient and it's kind of made of this um, almost plasticky material, but it is reusable. So you would wipe it down with a sanitary wipe after, um, after each patient. Uh, so we have been using it and trialing it at our hospital over the past year with some patients um, but we really haven't done any sort of analysis with comparing it um, with the other devices so that's what this was meant to uh, meant to do
0: and does it interfere at all with like uh, if you need to put other uh, like pads and stuff like i'm thinking about we have to put patients in really steep trend down break does that at all affect patients sliding on the table or-
1: it's a good question um I think the patients that we're currently using it with are burns patients and cardiac patients so um I'm I'm actually not sure if they do a lot of steep Trendelenburg in those cases um so I'm I'm not sure if that would be an issue uh currently but I feel like it I haven't heard of anything kind of negative from that standpoint. I know it doesn't interfere with things like, you know cotter your 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 typical um uses in the operating room um but i i feel like the material of it is actually fairly um like it's good for friction so i feel like it would actually be fairly
0: good for that and Karina, you said that you're not actually going about implementing your sort of most optimal strategy and remind us so that was basically forced error warning pre and post-op with use of resistance resistant blankets interrupt is that correct
1: it is. So that's the uh, optimized warming strategy kind of in full. We're doing it as a step approach first. So because it's obviously quite challenging to implement a brand new device and roll it across across all the operating rooms, we're first starting um, to preserve that flex gown and use it in the recovery area for warming because it is meant to accompany patients throughout the whole journey. So that's the first step of it is we're... Um, bringing in the 3M team and we're training the nurses and we're training the anesthesia and the surgery teams to be able to preserve that gown and drape in a way that it's not damaged and then to warm the patient in recovery using it. And then when the resistive blanket is able to be brought in, then we can very easily just take that flex gown, save it, and then everybody's already trained in the, in the recovery room for how to use it. We're also uh, expanding that pre-warming criteria at the same time and encouraging the use of the pockets in the flex gown. So those are the three interventions that we're doing uh, currently.
0: What sort of challenges have you come across in trying to both do this research as well as you know obviously actually implement these changes in the hospital because you know clearly we use flannels for everything i mean i think i always say to patients like the only good thing about being in the hospital is that you get these like warm gowns, and sometimes you wish you had like this nice warmer at home they could heal all your blankets in at home mm-hmm. so you know obviously there's a lot of um, status quo and inertia in trying to change something like this what so what challenges have you had in doing this research and, and implementing these changes?
1: For doing the research, I think um, it's both a challenge and a strength of the study uh, with incorporating the sustainability aspect. But it certainly does make it challenging. It's very resource intensive to do a life cycle analysis. Uh, and doing so with an environmental engineering team makes it uh, simpler from a kind of practitioner standpoint. Um, but you do have to consider all the different change ideas and how they affect sustainability. So for example, if you're uh, looking at flannels as being used for positioning or for pillows, um, a very easy QI solution for that would be to have order more pillows or order, you know, different um, positioning devices to replace those flannels. But realistically, without... Any sort of um, sustainability assessment, you don't actually know if you're replacing it with something that's worse than a flannel, or potentially better for, for the environment. So really, you have to choose change ideas that um, are going to be reusable products, or or things that you know will actually improve um, the both the sustainability and the care that you're providing. So that has been a challenge um, to essentially make sure that we're we're sticking with our with our guns with that uh, and then one of the challenges with implementing this as you said flannels are obviously a really big piece of comfort that we provide to patients and it's a very uh, kind of human touch that nurses like to give and we're certainly not eliminating them from the pathway and saying that we, we can't use them all together we really just want to reduce those uh, 11 blanket uh, offenders that are, are using them and obviously could be using a much more clinically effective uh, form of warming and one that is typically thrown in the garbage after the operation is done, which is that forced air warm reflex gown. So really we're preserving a piece of equipment that's already being used and reducing the use of um, additional flannels in the recovery room. Certainly if patients still want a warm flannel blanket, I think that that's very reasonable. Um, but it's, it's all about kind of reducing our resources all together with the use of more effective ones.
0: Maria, thanks again so much for spending the time with us to talk about your work and congratulations again and we look forward to seeing more work like this in the future from you and from Dr. McNeil.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: You've been listening to Cold Steel, the official podcast of the Canadian Journal of Surgery. This episode was produced and edited by Kirsten Allen, one of our new team members on the Cold Steel team and a medical student at Queen's University. If you have comments or questions, please email us at podcast.cjs at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.